Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan, and I'm honored, uh, so honored, Marsha, to have you as one of my guests for the Influence Continuum podcast. Um, I'd like to start by just telling our listeners a bit about you and your very important work. Uh, you are a social worker by training. You have over 40 years of experience in mental health and child welfare. But you are the vice president of the Family Advocacy Division within the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And we like to call it in the biz, NECMEC. <laughs> National yes. Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And this is a very unique entity in D.C. I'm going to ask you to explain what makes it so important and so special and how your organization can help serve missing and exploited children. But before we get into mm -hmm. that, I'll just say that am I correct in remembering that it was actually John Walsh? that had something to do with the founding of NECMEC, or am I misremembering mm -hmm. it? No, Stephen, thank you so much for, you know, for having me. Sure. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, really happy to be here to talk about the work of the, of the National Center. But no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, John and Reve Walsh certainly are our founders of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Many of your listeners will probably remember the pretty horrific story of the abduction of, of Adam Walsh, who was abducted when he was um, out with his mother mm. at, uh, at a store and he was um, in 81 and he was abducted and he was later found uh, deceased. And anyone that remembers that will remember, of course, it was horrific. You know, we, had, we there had been some other, some other yeah. missing child cases as well yeah. during that same uh, same time frame. You know, you had Eton Pates in yes. New York. That oh, case, I, I, I'm an old fogey. I'm 68, yeah, so I do yeah, remember well, I, yeah. back to the 80s. But don't assume our listeners are out my age, but you know, mm -hmm. even 18 and older. Kind of yes, thing. Yes, so well, fill us in. So he, they had this uh -huh. horrible incident where their son was kidnapped and was missing, if I remember correctly, for yes. a long time before yes. they found Absolutely. the, the killer. Was, and yes. wasn't John Walsh, he went on to do America's Most Wanted and yes. he, he got a, a, a tremendous amount of, of um, attention through to his work helping law enforcement find bad bad people mm -hmm, mm -hmm, by crowdsourcing yeah. you know information about perpetrators yes if i'm yes. remembering correctly but p please continue yes with you know you're you're correct in, in all of that you know this was also during the the time when we had the atlanta child murders that were happening in atlanta mm -hmm. as well and for those in your audience that would not remember that that was a, a time when you had um african-american you know, uh, mm -hmm. children, mm -hmm. primarily males, that were being abducted and then later found murdered. So it seemed that the country was was at a place where we were seeing so much harm come to so many of our children. Yep. John and Reve Walsh were absolutely adamant that another family should not have to experience what they went through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To that end, they were very successful in working with their 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 senator at the time, 
Senator Paula Hawkins, uh, mm-hmm. who was who was who was here, mm-hmm. and talking to her and certainly her staff, they were very instrumental in getting legislation passed. Right. When you say here, on. you mean Washington D.C. In the D. Washington D.C. Yeah, on the Hill. Right. You know, getting, okay. getting getting legislation passed. Good. That really put the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children into you know, you know, put us here. And that was in 1984. Wow. So <laughs> this is, a, what an amazing accomplishment. Thank, thank you, John and, and Rave. Uh, and uh, I had minimal interaction with John Walsh, but he asked me to be an expert when on his daytime talk show, which was yes. in addition to America's Most Wanted, when Elizabeth Smart was yes. found, and mm-hmm. they asked me if it was a former client of mine and their child that might be willing to go on the show. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was quite an extraordinary, you know, session with footage of Elizabeth saying, "It's not. I'm not Elizabeth. I'm not who you think I am." And the cop mm-hmm. has the picture of her next to her face, and yeah. it's like, yeah. "You got to come with with us. We got to yeah. go down to the police station." Yes. And then the whole cult mind control programming story eventually came out, mm-hmm. and and uh, the smarts have become incredible advocates for uh, other children. And indeed, they have, you know. And, and going back, when we go back to the to the founding uh, of the of the National Center, you know, John and Rave, you know, they're out there. You know, John was on the hill all the time, and then putting yeah. other people around him. You know right. that were that were able to you know to make sure that this could come to pass, so that there would be this building, as yep. they envisioned in Washington D.C., that would be the children's building, a place where families that were experiencing this you know these horrific crimes would be able to come, including the kind of crime that occurred with Elizabeth. Yeah, you know, with and with so many other missing kids that we have seen along some very long term, and some. Of course, you know, any time a child's gone, if, even if it's just for a week, you know, that's a long time. Right. You know, but what's so special about this vision that you are now vice president of the Family Advocacy Division mm-hmm. of um, was my, and correct me if, I, if, I, if I'm not remembering this correctly, but you have in your building an FBI agent, an immigration person. You have like a complex system approach to if somebody calls and said, I'm worried about this child, it's there's kind of an in-house network of people who can help mm-hmm. and assist. Uh, yes, yeah, Stephen, you're, you're correct. We're very fortunate to be able to have uh, federal law enforcement you know, professionals that are based here with us. You know, our, our office is located in Alexandria. Mm-hmm, Virginia, mm-hmm. right outside of, of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And of course, these these individuals, these professionals are working alongside of us on cases of missing children, on cases of what we what we now call child sexual abuse material mm-hmm. or CSAM, what the public would know as child pornography mm-hmm. in those kinds of cases. And it really does take a we find that it takes a real comprehensive approach. Right to be able to, you know, to stop some of what we unfortunately have been seeing over the years yeah, crimes against children. And this is so important because my sense is that there's so many 
caring, well-intentioned, resourced people, but they're in their own silos addressing social problems with trafficked kids or whatever. But this this is a very unique nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very comprehensive. Mm-hmm. When we started in 1984, I was fortunate to be one of those individuals, one of those first 40 yeah. you know, that, that, that were hired. Uh, to come to to come to Washington D.C. Yes. to be able to stand up this organization that had never been put into place. It was very exciting. It was very rewarding to be able yeah. to see to build it, to build it, to make a determination as to what was going to be important to families. What should we be doing? Back then, law enforcement, of course, didn't know who we were. Right. You know, they did not know who we were. Uh, you're reaching out to law enforcement on a missing child case, and they're like, well, wait a minute. You know, who are you, and, and what are right. you doing? Are you legit? Yes, you know, all, all of that. Yeah. And, of course, uh, as the years have progressed, we have just been so successful in being able to to bridge that gap, you know, right. between us and law enforcement and other, and other nonprofits that you have mentioned that are doing this kind of work as well. When you talk about other organizations that are that are doing the work the bulk of them are going to be in the community they're going to be you know on the ground they're going to be able to go out and meet families and do that kind of work we because we are considered a clearinghouse yeah as as it were we do our work here we do our work here at headquarters that's located here again in, in Alexandria Virginia right but we do have an office in Rochester Mm-hmm. New York, we have one in Austin, and we have one in um, in, in Florida, in the Lake Worth area of, of Florida. So that's where the bulk of our work is taking place. When a family calls into us, we have a 24-7 call center, 365 days a, a year. With an 800 number, if I remember. Yes, and it's 1-800-843-5678. Mm-hmm. Or one eight hundred, the lost. The lost. The That's lost. easier to remember. Yes, right. T H E L O S T. And when those calls come in to the call center staff, then they're going to be coming from law enforcement. They're going to be coming from parents yep. whose child, you know, who are they're having a situation with a child. It could be from uh, illegal, you know, professionals, educators, anybody that has an issue related to a missing and or exploited child. That case is then intaked. It's going to either go to our missing child division mm-hmm. or our exploited child division. Okay. We also have an analytical division. And of course you have our family advocacy division. And so at that end, at that point, that's where they're making the determination as to where that case is going to be going to and what group of, of case managers or, or analysts are going to be managing and doing the work on that case. I didn't realize you had other offices around the country, so yes. that's new information for me. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy to hear about that. Could you walk us through like what kinds of cases, if people are listening to this, okay, yes. would be appropriate to reach out to your office? Yes, we handle we handle uh, what we call family abduction cases. 
or that can be that's a case where most uh you know most of the public knows that as a parental abduction mm-hmm. you know if you will it can be anybody that is a guardian you know to a child mm-hmm. that has abducted that child and that can be either domestically yeah or internationally mm-hmm. and when speaking of internationally we also work very closely with the office of children's issues with the state department ah. on yes on on many of those cases it can be a case of an endangered runaway. We mm. classify all children as who have who have left on their own as endangered because oftentimes people assume, well, they left on their own, so that must be something that they wanted to do. Regardless, they're still in danger and they're not where they're supposed to be. So they really run run into high risk of victimization when they are when they are out and about. Yeah. So is there an age cutoff, like children is under 18 or is it 21 or what? We go to the age of 18. There are special situations or circumstances where we can intake the case of a young person up to the age of 21 when they have extenuating circumstances. But, like if they're on the autism spectrum yes, or have some yes, other or, mental health, and some other disability, yes, yes. Uh-huh. And, they, and things of that nature. So yes, we can do that. Mm-hmm. The other cases that we that we have on the exploitation side are going to be the cases, as you mentioned earlier, there are going to be those cases where there's suspected trafficking yeah. of a child. Those cases where where we know for sure that children are being exploited online. Yep. Where we have sextortion. You know, kinds of cases where we have yeah. online enticement of cases, and those are going to go to our exploited child division. And those, those again, are the cases where the analysts are going to be working with that particular individual calling in, and they're going to be getting that information, making that report, and adding value mm-hmm. to that report that will then be sent to local and or federal law enforcement. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I that I really want the listeners to to know is that because this is we've just been talking about this this week. Right. There are so many cases of children that are being victimized online. I mean a lot. Yes. Uh, and and I think people would be shocked to know that the ages can be very young. Well, we know very, traffickers want to recruit 12 to 14-year-olds. Yes, they can be very young. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of bad folks out there that are encouraging young people to do things online. Including radicalizing them, if, which is my field. Well, exactly. Yeah. Of, of, of a sexual nature. Mm, you see. know that is, is is what we're seeing more of. You know the 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 sexual you know sexual things like you know let's let's have you do this like and then sexting. I'll do this. You know, take a picture um, of your naked yes, picture and, or... and, and and doing you know masturbation and things and things of uh-huh. that nature. Now, oftentimes these young people um, are 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 feeling that maybe they're 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 peer to peer, like maybe they've met. A girl online, or maybe they've met a, a boy online, and they think this is somebody that they may be engaged in a relationship with. Yep. And we all know, you know, young people can be impulsive and, and what have you, but it does not mean that they obviously doesn't mean they're that it's that they're bad kids or anything right. like that. They, they bad they found choices. Them, that's right. They're being coerced. Yeah. 
to deceived do this. and coerced. Yes, yeah, absolutely. To do to do these kinds of yes, you're absolutely right. To do these kinds of things, it is traumatic. Yeah, it is absolutely traumatic because what we're seeing now is the sextortion piece is really really escalated too. Mm-hmm. Unless you do this, then I'm going to. Your pictures are going to be going to your parents. I'm going to send them to your school. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Your life is going to be ruined. And we've had young people commit suicide Mm -hmm. as a result of these kinds of crimes, not understanding that there are things that can be done. So what I want the audience to know is if you, if you, you know a child or you have a young person that has found themselves in a situation where they feel like they have, they, they've made a mistake and taken a picture or there's something out there and they think it's going to be there forever. Yep. That is no longer the case. There are technologies in place now Mm. where that information and that kind of material can be removed. Oh, from great. the yes, yes, yes. That's tech, a good, tech that's companies, good news. It's good news, and we're able to help facilitate that kind of of removal. So we really, really are trying to get that message out because parents probably know believe that as well, but definitely the kids believe it. So I need to ask you. I'm trying to imagine a listener. Um, mm-hmm. When they call, is it anonymous or do they have to give their name and they're identifying things, first of all? Or do they have to be the parent of a child or could they be the aunt or the uncle or a grandparent? It, you know, all of, all of the above. Actually, you'd be surprised. We get lots of calls from kids. From, yeah, from, teen, so, from teens. So, so I want to just before you go on, say mm-hmm. if you're young and have had problems, know you're not alone. What Marsha is saying is you're not alone. This is an epidemic mm-hmm. that's happening to young people today where they're being preyed upon by bad actors and traffickers. And, yes. Right? That's exactly what I'm saying. And so they are, they are not alone, and we want to encourage them. Do call. Now, when they call, if it's a minor, when it's a minor that calls, yep. one, of, one of the things that, that my division is going to be doing, because, you know, in family advocacy, because we are social workers and counselors and have that kind of background, yep. we're going to be reaching back out to them, uh, and we're going to be encouraging them always, always, always to tell a parent. We uh-huh. really need them to tell a parent or, or parents. We really, really needed them to do that. Mm-hmm. They're always very, um, very upset and very embarrassed and very ashamed. And, and I'm, you know, and feeling worthless and all of those kinds of things. And we want them to tell their parents because what we find, in spite of the fact that no parent would want to see their child go through this, the parents are supportive. Yeah. They understand how these kinds of things can happen. And then they get that support because they need that they need that support as well. We are then going to work to make sure that that family and child can receive the kind of counseling that they need within their community to move forward from, you know, from the crime. So awesome. So I just for further clarification, if a young person calls you underage, They'll be speaking with what one of your case manager. They people? would be first contacting our call center and the cyber tip line 
piece. They would be doing a cyber tip line report. So that's so a different than the lost number? No, or it's, it's, it's all the same. Oh, I see. It, yes, it is all the same, but they would just be taking what we call a cyber tip line report. Got it. Which means that it's a, it's a you know, a technology facilitated Got crime. It. We're mm -hmm. going to, they're going to be getting a name, hopefully a telephone number and a way to reach them so that we can reach back out to them. All right. The case information is then going to go to our exploited child division mm -hmm. that works with the law enforcement and is going to be working on that particular on that case because it's always those cases you know like that are are breaking the law. Uh huh. So if I'm a, a minor and I realize I've got myself into a heap of trouble and haven't told my family yet, mm -hmm. I call this number. They they take my information. I'm being encouraged to call or ask my parent, tell my parents about it. Does does your case people ever offer to do the call for the young person or with the young person to kind of be a mediator? Or is that that is a that is a great question, Stephen. Absolutely. Again, here in the family advocacy division, we always offer that. We will be on the phone, telephone with you. We will explain who we are. And we will, you know, kind of tap down that immediate, like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is scary stuff for a parent. And we'll be there with you when you tell your parents. Then we can let the parent know what's going to happen next. That's awesome. That's so exciting. I can't uh, help myself but also ask in this pandemic or post-pandemic age that we're in, uh, do you ever do video calls too or is it just auditory phone messages to your right center? now it's still just a bit auditory you know uh -huh. right now um and of course we always want to keep in touch mm -hmm. to make sure that the family is connected because uh -huh. you see law enforcement is going to be connecting with them too as well those are the kinds of things that we're going to have that that it's important for us to explain to the to the to the to the child who's always mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, am I going to be in trouble? Well, no, you're not going to be in trouble. There's some adult out here that's you know that's got you in a situation, and let the parent know because when law enforcement comes knocking on the door, you know they're going to want to sit down, sure, and have a conversation. But it also provides security sure. for that child to know that okay, this was a this was a bad person that was trying to or had me do bad things. And they're going to um, have to deal with that. Yeah, but, but the fact that it's happening on such an epidemic level, it would be so much more powerful for a professional like one of your people to explain yes. that to the parents and reassuring to the young person. Absolutely, because you can imagine, you just imagine hearing this kind of stuff or know, you know it's out there, you know that it's happening, but then you find out that somebody has taken advantage of your child. Yep. In a very, so I, very horrible way. So I need to ask you this also, because you know I'm a <laughs> cult expert. And, yes. you know, we've consulted on a few cases over yes. the years together. But do, anyone, do you get calls from young people who were raised in cults that want to leave, but their parents are still in the cult and they we have really nowhere have. to go and no resources i'm just curious we haven't we haven't had that Stephen. but you know you over the years you and i have had the conversation our conversation is about um when we let you know we back up and go over to to family abduction cases yeah 
Um, family abduction cases are, are very complex, really yes. complex, really complicated. And I've been doing this work for a really, really long period of time. Yep. And what I can say with certainty are, you know, are, is this, an individual that would abduct their child thinks about him or herself. Yeah, a narcissist, parent, in other words. <laughs> a parent that will not take their child thinks the ch about the child first. Yep. We'll always put the needs of the child first, always put. So I say that to say this. We oftentimes, and, and so if a parent is abducting a child, well, what are they telling the child? You know, why can't I see mom anymore? Why can't I see dad? Why can't I see my grandparents? Why can't I see my friends at school? You know, what's going on here? So that means a story has to be told. Yep. There has to be a story that we call it the abduction story. Yep. And there's always an abduction story. And yep. the abduction story can include, uh, you know, somebody died or they no longer wanted you or they harmed you. Yeah. In false accusations yes. of abuse made up, you know. To... And so and so it's a child. So yep. why would you why would you not believe what? your abductor or your parent that you love right. is, is, is telling you. So when we have that kind of, those kind of narratives, yep. you know, being told to the child and those kind of beliefs that occur over, and if they can occur very short and short period of time, yep. as you know, as the expert in, in this, yep. but when you have a real long period of time in particular, that's what the child believes. And, and it, and it's, and it's really interesting because you have to, peel back, peel all of that back Yeah. when the, when the child's recovered. So I do see, you know, when you talk about the, the belief systems yes. that can be in, in, ingrained in, 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 a, in a child that's taken by a parent, people would not believe how, how detrimental and how harmful. Oh, it's awful. And so there's this term called parental alienation that's been used to describe the abducting parents or the custodial parents mm -hmm. brainwashing, for lack of a, a, a more technical term, mind controlling their child mm -hmm. against the other parent, but not just the other parent, their whole side of the family. Right, right. Right, and I actually did an interview with a young woman who is alienated from her mother at age four by her father. Uh, and um, later on, she and her sister tracked down the mother to hear her side of the story. But mm -hmm, they were mm -hmm. married, you know, in their 20s or 30s already. It was horribly traumatic because they lost contact with their whole mother's side of the family. And it turned out the mother left because the father was abusing her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. and they, they didn't they, know just, it was an, a vacuum. They they just didn't know the story, and you know, of course, you know, uh, parental alienation is is very controversial. It, it's a very controversial. Not term. for me, it isn't. Yeah, I know, you know, but 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 it it's been over the years in the UK. It's not, but but it seems like in the UK and I mean here in the US, it is. But one thing we know for sure, there's definitely something that goes on. There's, there's yeah, there are measures. That yeah, there are now measures that, that can be done by expert witnesses, psychiatrists, psychologists on, you know, check off the things about your mom, check off the things about your dad that really show scientifically if someone's been programmed against. Yeah. 
the well, we other. Know, well, we know it's estrangement for sure. Yeah. We definitely know that 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 it is estrangement. Um, but but you're absolutely right. The trauma cannot be uh, over overemphasized. And, and and again, when you're talking about have when I talk about having to peel back, yeah, having to peel back the you know the, the the belief systems. And one of the and it's really traumatic when an individual does become an adult. Yes. And wants wants to learn, wants to reach back out, and they find that that parent that that uh, perhaps in all cases love them. Yeah, may no longer be here. They yep. may be de- they may be deceased. Yes, and that's a whole nother because yeah. they never got a chance to to connect or to put a period behind their yeah. you know their 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 relationship. Yeah. So th- those are really they're, they're real they're real tough cases. Right, they're real tough cases. So I want to add that my introduction to the idea of parental mm-hmm. alienation mm-hmm. goes back uh-huh. forty five years uh-huh. to cults. Religious cults. <laughs> yes. But because it, in, if you're in one of these closed system groups mm-hmm. and one of the parents wants to leave because they don't have faith anymore in the cult right, leader right. or whatever, and then the, the, the one that's still in the cult will often be advised to get lost inside the yes. cult with the children. And then make up stories against the parent that wants to leave because they're an apostate, you know, mm-hmm. air quotes, mm-hmm. or they're evil, or make up stories about them. So for me, that was my introduction to the group systemic programming against yeah. any former member. Right, right. And if you're a former member, happen to be a parent, they want to keep your kids under their spell and not have you have the child have the freedom to choose what they want to believe or where they want to live. So that was my initial introduction. Mm -hmm. It was only later that I learned about the phenomenon of just, you know, parents divorcing and one of them feeling personally insulted with narcissistic injury or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, and wanting to punish the other, Mm -hmm. you know, the the ex-spouse, et cetera. And the kids are in the middle. Oh my gosh! Yes, they are. They are so right in the middle. You know, after over the many years of doing the doing this work, I can tell you, I have only met one taking parent, mm. one that said to me, "What I did was wrong." And yeah. all of the and all of these years, of, that's uh, that's fascinating. But mm-hmm. it it confirms mm-hmm. my. My, you know, experiential yeah. uh, uh, yes. life work as well. But um, people are learning organisms and we depend on the information coming to us to make yes. sense of the world. Right. And if you limit someone's information flow and you don't get to hear another side of the story from other other sources, mm-hmm. most people will believe utter nonsense. Things like, you know, your grandfather raped you when you were two, yeah. and you find out grandpa died before you were born, yeah. and people don't, shouldn't have memories mm-hmm. before three or four. Of, and, of, you know, and, and you know that's right. And with children, you know, they're they're dependent. Right, they're dependent on that on that parent that has taken them. So it's uh, we we've seen a lot of. A lot of painful, you know. We 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 also help facilitate reunifications. 
Ah, talk um, about that, please. Yes, we do. You know, when what well, the thing that that we have learned mm-hmm. over the course of it'll be thirty eight years. You know, this year for the organization, when we first started. We didn't know, you know, we, we kind of were learning, you know, we had the backgrounds in terms of educational background, but the to be able to uh, immerse ourselves in this work, we always were very excited when there was a child that was recovered, of course, yeah. you know, yeah. we were, you know, we would celebrate and um, two or three weeks in, we get a call from from a parent, and this was generally in, in the parental abduction side, yeah. family abduction side, that was saying, oh, my, you know, my child's regressing, uh, my child's a afraid my, my child yep. doesn't want me to go to work and we were thinking oh boy you know there's so much more to this than we recognize yeah so we realized that we've got to figure out a way when a child has been taken and might be afraid to yeah. go back to this parent that's been vilified sure um we've got to figure out a way so they're not re-traumatized yeah they cannot be re-traumatized so we we, we know that by doing reunifications, and what that what that means is we prepare. If we know a child is going to be recovered, yeah. whether it be internationally or domestically, we're going to be working with that with that um, the the searching parent mm-hmm. is, is the way we term it to provide him or her with what they can expect, what they may see, mm-hmm. how they need to you know to behave, um, you know bringing pictures if they have pictures of of the child from from the time that they were with them bringing toys uh, you know doing things that can help their 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 recall uh teaching them not to just run up and throw their arms around the child yes yes Um, yes yes you know because the parents traumatized yes you know worried about their loved one and there. Have all kinds of stories going on in their heads yeah. that they may not have accurate information. So we, yeah, so we have to, we have to do that. Then we, we have generally a therapist mm-hmm. that's going to be meeting with the child. Mm-hmm. You know, the child's coming through the airport. We're going to want to get that person there yeah. to meet with that child, to be able to take him or her to the side, do some work with them. This is the therapist that's mm-hmm. meeting with the child mm-hmm. before interesting. Yes, prior Got to it. reconnecting with that searching parent. Ah, I love so. your work. I love this <laughs> work. You. It's so needed. Yeah, well, it was, you know, it's important not to just, okay, now you got to go with this person that you don't know. Right. You know, any, any, any longer. Then, of course, always setting up ongoing, mm-hmm. ongoing um, intervention for, for the family. But again, we have to minimize that as much as we can. Minimize that that uh, that, that that trauma. Minimize so. the trauma and 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 normalize that everybody's got feelings, and mm-hmm. you got to give yourself a lot of tender, loving care to give yeah, you space yeah. to absorb the changes. Ab- absolutely. And the other thing that we do as well. That uh, because I know when people are hearing this, they think, oh, wow, you're just taking the child from one parent to the other parent. So now we're back in the same situation. But that's not the goal. Right. Our goal is to is to work as hard as we can to ensure that that child is going to have a, a, a caring, loving relationship with both parents. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a reason. Be it, you know, there's some reason that there's yep. some reason maybe that of, of harm to someone that that cannot occur. Children want, and I've said this to, 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 to parents over the years, they want 
two healthy, loving parents, period. Yeah, even if they're divorced, they still want to have two parents. And, and my, my thing to, to, to them is if you can't have a good marriage, have a good divorce mm. for the welfare and benefit of your children. That is all that they want because you, we see when you talk about children being in the middle because they, they figure out they've got to choose. Yes, the loyalty but, mm-hmm. uh, threat yes. is huge. They, it is, it is really, really, and it's wrong for any parent to, really, really, to tell the it's, kid you know, it's me or your mother or you whatever. Can't do, yeah, you can't do that. So we really have to work, and we have to do a lot of work on the searching parent. Okay, just imagine yeah. your your child's been taken, and the child's been recovered, or children have been recovered, and you hear someone <laughs> from my division saying, "And by the way, excuse <clears> me, <throat> you've got to let." Work with your the taking parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet there's you know me, a yeah, they're kind of like what, but then they get it. Yeah. They're terrified. They're terrified because it's like okay, generally when a child's recovered, they may have supervised visitation. Yes. For a while, but then eventually, you know, you're going to want that child to be able to have again access to that taking parent and the and the searching parent or the parent that now has you know, the physical custody is terrified. Great. Absolutely terrified. So I want to move on and talk about the trainings and the the meetings that you also have sponsored over the decades. Mm. Talk about that. Um, over the decades. Oh my gosh, yes. Training is Well, it's is, true. <laughs> it's I mean, been that's right, it's been decades. Training has always has been uh, one of our really, you know, one of the big things that we enjoy doing here and have done over the decades. Yep. We we certainly um, have a, a lot of training for law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, because we want to to help them know how they can help their communities when they have when they have missing child cases. Mm-hmm. We obviously over the years have done training for prosecutors, for for um, you know for child welfare professionals, anybody that's going to that that works in this that works in this space. Mm-hmm. Certainly, some of the new trainings that we've done over the years prior you know prior COVID, we all know the autism mm-hmm. you know situation we we have. Unfortunately, when we have missing uh, children that are that are uh, on the spectrum, we sometimes don't don't recover those children successfully. Mm. Um, many of them are found um, are found deceased. And we've learned over the years that that uh, and had trained law enforcement to understand this, that many of these children are drawn to water. Mm. So we want to make sure that they know immediately you need to get wherever if there's water around or, or what have you. So those are kinds of trainings so that we identify from working with families that they're that they're things we need to know that are going to be helpful to the field, then we're going to want to to make sure that we can train. Um, yeah, and, that's a know, new piece that. of information for me, Marsha, about yes. uh, kids on the spectrum being drawn mm-hmm. to water. Yes. I've heard of trains, like mm-hmm. a obsessive you know, interest in trains. I've, I've worked with a bunch of people on the spectrum because, frankly, they are easy targets online. To be recruited by cults, oh, oh yeah, because they that. do the love bombing online, and of course, people on the mm-hmm. spectrum have anxiety and issues with reading social cues and having friends. Yes. So online, they have instant friends, and then clear rules and regulations mm-hmm. of what is reality. But then they can get drawn down 
a slippery slope into yeah, a yeah. authoritarian situation. Oh, I can see that. Yes. Well, they well many of them, many many young young children, they they like the water. Like That's the so water. interesting. Uh huh. And it appears that it could be soothing, or hmm. and and so we 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 train to that. One of the other things that we learned from a parent uh, whose child was was missing in the in the woods is that um, there was a certain rock star that this child liked. And when uh -huh. law enforcement was searching for the child and calling the child's name, they were just kind of crouched somewhere. I see. And then they were able, the parents said, no, but they like this song. They like this song. And they played that song and were just able to blast it you know, into the area. Mm -hmm. And then the child was able to come, come wow. forward. So those, you know, those are the kind of things that we really need need to to have the field understand when it comes to when it comes to training my division we have a, a network of therapists called the family advocacy outreach network okay and those are therapists that we recruit throughout the country um, that will work with families that we say hey will you work for them will you work with them or on a, a sliding fee scale or or, or or what have you and we have training for them you know, all of these people sure. obviously are already licensed and yep. are very good at what they do. We bring them here so we can teach them about the field of missing and exploited children. Interesting. That's so great. So while we're talking about um, money, uh, it's a nonprofit so people can donate to NECMEC or is it federal funds or how does how is the financing? And this will be confusing because we're actually both. Okay. <laughs> we are a nonprofit, but we do receive funding from the Office from Juvenile Justice Delinquency Prevention Acronyms in Washington, D.C., which okay. is OJJDP, which is under the Department of Justice. And we have always, since 1984, received our funding from justice. But the way that our that we were established, it allows us to be a nonprofit. So we do have a private sector side where we can indeed take um, you know donations or, or grants or you know thing you know to 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 get money that does not that the grant Right. Does, would not, you know, would not cover. So yeah. So if anyone's listening and they <laughs> are thinking about philanthropy and what can make a difference, this is an organization that's really huge in my mind in terms of the contributions that they have made and will continue to make uh, as a as a place to go to when people are worried about. Missing or exploited children. Oh, yes. Thank you, Stephen, for that. Yeah, that's that's nice. Yeah, you're not paying me. I'm not on salary. No, you're not. <laughs> I, and, and uh, you know, we've been in touch. And I, was, I started this podcast in January. And I was thinking, who do I know whose work uh -huh. I want to highlight to bring to a wider audience? And you were very high on my list. So I'm so glad we were able to find the time. Uh, to to uh, to do this today, so well, I am I am too because a lot of people, perhaps it's good, don't know who we are because those that need us know who we are, but we want everybody to know that we're here because they know may have friends or they may, yep. you know, coworker that is having some challenges and have a missing child or a child that's run away. We want them to know that they can definitely call here, and and we don't. 
you know, we don't uh, we don't close cases. We don't yeah. close cases until a child is recovered, which does bring me to another another piece of work that we do, sure. and that is with the child welfare. Uh-huh. the child welfare community. Many missing children, particularly children that are considered endangered runaways, are kids that are in the system. Mm-hmm. A lot of children that are in the system. And some years ago, there was legislation passed that said social service agencies or child welfare agencies had to report mm. their missing uh, kids that they yeah. had in their care to us, which has been a wonderful, I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, that that is a, a game changer because, you know, in child welfare, oftentimes, once the child ages out of the system, the case may be closed. I see. Where we never close a case. We, that's, you know, we never close a case here. That's so interesting. So let me just run a scenario that popped into my head. Uh mm-hmm. Single parent loses a job, has health issues, becomes homeless, has one, two, or three kids, mm-hmm. then has a health crisis or something, and the kids are there uh, with this this parent, and there aren't other relatives that could step in to take the kids. Do they just get taken by foster care of the local community or... Or is this something that that they could reach out to your agency for help? Well, it would. It's not anything because it's a you know because it's a real kind of. It's not anything that we particularly work with or do. Uh-huh. Now, if one of those children, hopefully, unfortunately, would not run away, but if that were to happen, mm-hmm. then of course that would be a case that we could handle. When you look at a situation like that in general, because mm-hmm. there are so many cases like that. That's when the, the, the child welfare system or the system itself can really be mobilized to really help Excellent. that family. And the goal would always be, even with you know child welfare, traditional social services, as people know it, to always keep the family together. Yes. If at if at all possible, that is always right. the, that is always the goal, unless a child protective services worker is going to determine that maybe the child or children do not need to be in the home at that at that period of time. But that's never their goal. Their goal is always to keep them together by providing resources, be they financial um, or, or emotional, or getting them connected to other providers in the community that can help with that. I understand. Mm-hmm. So we're we're gonna wrap up soon, but and maybe I should have asked you this earlier mm-hmm. on in our interview. Oh, wow. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you're willing to share like a case story, a success story with our listeners. Oh my gosh. Uh, there had there have been there have been so many, I just have to have to th- have to think I probably of. should have told asked yeah, you in yeah, advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, but I'd say the first one that came to your mind would probably be fine. Well, you know, I'm I, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of one where the 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 it was an internet ended up being an international young okay. lady teenager was abducted by uh, the mother's uh, boyfriend and taken into into a fairly remote area of Mexico. Oh, again, she was a minor. Yeah, and while she was there. Um, of course, he he was molesting her and you know, oh, raping sorry. her continually. Mm. She had multiple children, 
as a result of that. Wow. Um, of of that of that abduction. When she was she was located ultimately, and she was, shall I say, she's an adult. She was All an right. adult, and she has these children. So as an organization, we were able to mobilize because they had lived, they were living fairly, um, you know, kind of in a, an impoverished level. Mm-hmm. They, they had a little dog. I remember they had, they had a little dog and she wanted to come back home. Mm. She wanted to come back home to, you know, to the U.S. So we mobilized through our resources to be able to, to, to get them back, oh. you know, back here because we, we do have, some nice transportation resources where people will volunteer and and um, and do really wonderful things for for families through grants and what have you. Yeah, we we're able to get them get them back. We were able to connect with a, a courier that deals with dogs mm-hmm. to even get their their because that was so much part of their of, of everything as you know to have have the dog come back. Then we were able to get therapists through each part of their, you know, like they came from this part sure. of Mexico, then they had to come here to one airline, the airport, then they had to go to another airport. And there were a lot of them. Yeah. So we were able to get people, therapists that volunteered their time to be able to work at each point of entry until they, until they got back home. That was a real great story. It, it was a sad case, but it was, it ended up being being one that everybody just kind of was able to do what needed to be done. Uh, it's a great, After great had, story. It yeah. reminds me of a bunch of cases I've done over the years where uh, the woman was impregnated by the cult leader, had a bunch of kids, and the, yes. the mother the, you know, got away from the cult, but then the kids look like the cult leader because they were his children. And just helping the mother work through that and yes, how to explain yes. to the children, you know, daddy's, mm-hmm. daddy's a criminal. He's in jail. You know, it's hard such, stuff. It's it very, is, it is. It's really, it's, really hard stuff. But we do, we, we've got really nice, uh, nice stories, you know, success uh, stories um, as, as well. A, a, a lot of them. You, you know, save a life, you years. save the world. It's no, old, I like that. It's yes. an old Jewish uh, I saying. Like that. I, I, I like that a lot. Oh, and you know what? I, I, I would be, I, I've got to mention this because this is so important. We also have a program called Team Hope. Please and tell I, us. I, and I want to get that, you know, this out as, as, as well. Team Hope is a parent-to-parent peer support network mm-hmm. of parents that have had a missing child. The child's been recovered, may still be missing. They may have been recovered alive. They may have been recovered deceased. Oh boy! Or exploitation. They they may have their children may have been involved. Their child may have been in an exploitation case. Yeah. They come together. They're all over the country. Yeah. Volunteers. They come together. They're far enough along past their victimization to be able to help another parent. Uh, paying it forward. It like, is the only. It is the great. only, to our knowledge, it is the only program of its sort that we're aware of in the country. It is it is amazing. It's so you know, great. You know how we say we don't have to have experienced a situation to be able to help someone? This appears to be one of those situations where having been through it is really important to be able to help another parent that's walking 
walking that same journey, having a missing child or a child that's been trafficked or um, same with cults. If somebody has a kid who adult they, even who gets into it. a cult, uh, it's other parents who've been lived through the nightmare. Hopefully, came out the mm -hmm. other side. And they know it firsthand. Firsthand is really really powerful. As we wrap up, Marsha, I'm remembering uh, my last time visiting the, mm -hmm. the building and uh, I think part of a training, and you gave out uh, a little placard, uh, you know, <laughs> luggage case that says yes. National Center. Mm -hmm. Still on my briefcase. That oh, I that is amazing. I'll just send you a new one. <laughs> but please send me a new one. But the point is, is if you have merchandise like T-shirts or hats that says NECMEC or Team Hope or let us know because and anyone listening that wants to support you, it's another way of getting the message out because people say, oh, what's Team Hope or what's NECMEC or what is that? And it has the number on it. Well, we do. We do have merchandise. We do have T-shirts. We do have hats. <laughs> we so we're going to do a blog that. based okay. on this interview, and we'll add all these extra links and maybe Wonderful. a few pictures. Um, because we want to spread awareness that we are in uh -huh. this together. We're human beings. We're Americans. You know, we're part of the world community. And end this polarization and hatred and fear. Oh my gosh! Yes. That's that's yes. gripping so many people. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, through bad media and social media, etc. So uh, with that, I'm going to thank you. Continued success, and we'll stay in touch. And as I said, we'll. We'll write up a blog and add some more links uh, okay. on the Freedom of Mind website. I appreciate website. it. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. So much. Thanks okay. so much. Take Thanks, care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast by Nasser Malik. To read in-depth articles about influence, both positive and negative, visit my website at freedomofmind.com. On Twitter and Instagram, my handle is at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you fully grasp the complex web of undue influence. I also have a three-and-a-half-hour online course titled Understanding Cults, The Basics, which can be found on my website. If you're a former cult member, I congratulate you on your bravery, invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT, and join our online community at igotout.org. Thanks for listening, and remember, love is stronger than mind control.